Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. Week 18 of the NFL season. Bills, Dolphins, primetime. 820 Sunday Night Live right here. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? I think really the best way to describe it is being comfortable, um, being uncomfortable. Everything's on the line. It's not just the division. It's not just the playoffs. Playoffs? It's the most important game of the Buffalo Bills season, Sunday Night Live. The Dolphins are hoping that bad Josh Allen shows up. The Dolphins are hoping that the Bills... Bills don't come with a physical brand of football. The Dolphins don't generally flip corners. Mike Danger. If they want to win on Sunday night, they're going to have to punch him in the mouth. They're going to have to be more physical than they've been the last two weeks. 24-21 Buffalo. Whoa! Because Sean McDermott doesn't make anything easy. and It'll be tight. Gene Battaglia. The more I think about this danger, the more I like the Bills in this game. And it's not from a pom-pom perspective. No, I think that just the Bills match up better. But you really want to be the two seats, certainly, and I think Buffalo will be in a good spot. I think the Bills are very likely to win. 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan, Rochester. We're on YouTube and Twitch, at The Fan Rochester. You can check out our, our page, our channel. You can like, you can subscribe there. Don't forget to comment. We've got a chat room open for you on the Twitch channel as well. We appreciate you stopping by the sports bar. It's Danger and Bataglia as we get ready for Sunday night. And the Bills-Dolphins match up for the AFC East. Later this hour, we go down to South Beach and we talk to our buddy uh, Brendan Tobin, the host of Tobin and Leroy on WQAM, our Odyssey Sports sister station in Miami. Yeah, as uh, we've got takes, we've got time for your calls. It's Friday. Uh, boy, short week. Kind of like the short week here at Danger. Let's uh, head into the weekend. 8664-FAN, 866-4326. We've got a championship game coming up Monday night, too. That it, Yeah, it's going to be a great Sunday of football. And let's hope Michigan-Washington gives us something. And you know, if you dial back to the Rose Bowl, Stephen A. Smith had a take about the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Did you see this? The Rose Bowl should not be at the Rose Bowl. It should be moved to SoFi Stadium. No, no, no. Because the traffic around Pasadena is so bad. <laughs> now, no, like, no, no. Where is the traffic acceptable in Los Angeles? That would be my question. Yeah. No one. Uh, traffic issues aside. <laughs> he, he inadvertently brought up a take here. Yes, the Rose Bowl is rich in history. Yes, it's great to see the sun and the mountains. And yes, I love the tradition. And yes, it's a relic. At what point do they move the game to a venue that actually makes more money? Because that's what college football is. Is it not right now? Don't get me wrong. I love the Rose Bowl. I want that setting every New Year's Day. But at some point, this is going to get moved, right? Yeah, the NCAA, AA, I would think, wants to make more. Yeah, money. I mean, this will come down to, like everything, a negotiation. Things are hard to get past in, in the state of California. Like, it's bad in New York State. It's bad in California. You want to construction, anything that you want to do in California, it, it, you have to literally move mountains. And 
with the Rose Bowl, like be simple, right? You renovate yeah. it. Just renovate the Rose Bowl. You keep it where it is and you find a way to renovate. It doesn't doesn't really be it's not really a bowl anymore if you renovate it the way you'd want to renovate it, right? With more luxury suites and the whole thing. Easy thing would be to go to SoFi. So what happens here? Well, there's probably some sort of negotiation in the future to threaten to take the Rose Bowl to SoFi. Maybe this is the first volley in that. The 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 idea that the Rose Bowl would play somewhere other than the Rose Bowl feels like sacrilege, but yeah. it might just be a lot of noise to get what you actually want, which is an upgraded stadium in Pasadena that is the Rose Bowl, and you can keep it exactly where it is, and we can continue the tradition that we've all lived through for generations now. I, it, it would suck if it went to SoFi. I would not feel the same way. No, no, but... Like the road, that's like the, it's like Fenway Park, I guess. Like in Boston, at some point they decided, okay, do we want to build a stadium with suites and everything and make a lot of money? Or do we want to keep tradition? This is what, and they decided the latter and it seems to work. Yeah. But you've made upgrades and renovations through the course of time. You know, Wrigley Field, same thing. Upgrades, renovations, more opportunities to make money, more opportunities for corporate sponsors. Like, like anything, like the, the college football landscape. We generally don't talk about the NCAA and college athletics, you know, working over the public to try and get money for a new stadium or a new, uh, you know, renovations to a stadium. But that's kind of what this feels like would need to happen if you wanted to continue to see games at the Rose Bowl long term. Uh, did Syracuse pay for that new roof and they paying for the new seats? The answer is no. Right. Yeah. Like you'd like it was the state kind of yeah. saying, hey, you know, we like you. Here you go. Yeah. And and. Good luck getting that in California. A little no, bit different. No, 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 no. A little yeah, bit yeah. different. Um, so I'm not going to hold my breath. And, you know, you're right. There's money to be made, and you probably could make more moving it to SoFi. Traffic aside, I, I think traffic is the least of their concerns. It's really about how do we make more money? How do we maximize the dollars behind the Rose Bowl? And if you wanted to, you would have to renovate the Rose Bowl. And that's not going to be cheap, and it certainly isn't going to be easy in the state of California. Uh, all right, Gino, uh, a couple of thoughts on my Bears. And all of our attention will turn to that team once the season is over, once the Super Bowl is in the rearview mirror. And I'll give credit where due. Big Cat from Barstool shared his idea. He's a Bear guy as well. Uh, Shared this idea. It's the only way at this point that I would want to see Chicago move on from Justin Fields this offseason. Any holder of the number one pick is going to get that first crack at Caleb Williams. And there's a team that could only see their relevance rise if they drafted him in their market. The L.A. Chargers would only gain interest in their home market if the new QB came from USC. And there'll be a new GM in place before the draft, a new head coach. Ryan Poles, the pride of Section 5, the only way I'm going to accept Justin Fields not being a Chicago Bear next season is if you trade the number one overall pick for Justin Herbert. Trading away Justin Fields for picks does nothing but tell a fan base that you're not interested in paying a quarterback, you remain as cheap as you've ever been, and you're satisfied with being a losing product. Herbert for number one overall, and Fields for more picks. Do it, you cowards. Danger. Did you or Big Cat actually think this out? Come on. Like, tell me what Justin, or excuse me, what Justin Herbert's cap figure is. Dead money would be. $129 million. You trade like, him? 
to trade him. He just signed a hundred twenty nine million dead cap figure to like that, that's not even possible to trade him. To trade him, you can't do that. The, the the Chargers would have to eat that. Now you could say, well, you know, the Broncos are going to do it eighty eight million with Russell Wilson. Problem is with the Chargers, they already have these cap issues with all these contracts that they handed out. So it's a rebuilding year. I hear you from the standpoint of, hey, we want to be relevant. Let's get the USC coach, and maybe we bring over Lincoln Riley. Pack. You have a quarterback. From a Why business would- standpoint. That makes a lot of sense. I know from a cap standpoint, it's sloppy. No, it's, 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 it's impossible. It it's is like, impossible. That's half your cap. Nothing's impossible. 129 Nothing million. Nothing is impossible. 129 million. Yeah. We had the same conversation about Carson Wentz just three years ago. No, no. You were talking Four about 40 ago. million. Yeah. This is like, this is three times that yeah. amount. A- anything is possible. Dude, like, I'm sorry. Like, it, like, it didn't even cross your mind. You were just blinded by your fandom. Like, no, I, you could get Justin Let me, let me tell you, the only way I will be satisfied if they move on from Justin Fields is if they pull that kind of a deal off. And they figure, they'll figure something out. The cap isn't real. We all know it's not real. You can work something out. All right. So there's going to be no the reason Bills, to buy it. Like, the Bears have all kinds of cap room i mean like they could help that situation out with the cap space that they have look don't don't help anybody out what they should do is just go back to the original plan which is you keep justin fields you build around him you get more picks and any cap room you keep building you roll the cap over year to year to year they could be building something special. I'm not holding my breath. If, but. That, if that's what they do, I will be fine with it. But if they just move on from Justin Fields, if they just trade Justin Fields to a team for some picks, that's, that's a slap in the face to the fan base. That's a, hey, what we really don't want to do is pay a quarterback in the NFL. You, you, you don't. You at least know you're, what you have. It's all unknown. Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, anybody else. You really don't know how they project at the next. Uh, you, you just project. That's all you, you can do. Um, <laughs> on a different NFL note. Um, yeah, like we're figuring, right? There's going to be mutual parting ways between Bill Belichick and New England. We're figuring that's going to be the case. Then why not announce this now? Let me draw an analogy for you. Okay, Jim Beheim fumbled his exit from Syracuse badly. Can we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> on the day of the 20-year reunion for the Syracuse national team last March, really fun day, right? Everybody together, and that's the day it should have been happened. It should have been announced. It would have been the time. Let the fans show their appreciation. That's what should happen in Foxborough on Sunday. Boston fans are going to handle this the right way. They're going to know that what's up. They're going to applaud whatever. But no, Belichick seems to be going the Bayheim route here. I, um, I I think Belichick has a little bit more tact than Bayheim. I think it'd be a little bit more strategic. I think he'd be probably a little bit more gracious when it's all said and done. I. I I'm curious to see how it all shakes out, and maybe nothing happens. All right, how about this scenario? It gets kind of over the weekend when the NFL info guys like, "Hey, this is it." Could you see that scenario? The closest well, thing I've I've seen, or the the thing that I've seen that makes me believe that this is it, is the 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 extended hug and handshake at the end of last week's game. That felt like a goodbye from Sean McDermott, almost as if Belichick already knows his fate is sealed, and they've. It's just a matter of making it public that they've already worked out what the exit strategy is going to be. I could see Belichick actually using this to his advantage because maybe yes, he's decided he goes on, but he love love to stick to the Jets one last time. Yeah. And how could he do that? Guys, uh, 
this is it for me. I want to thank you and everything. And hopefully you'll be in good hands next year. But, you know, I love you and let's do this to get together. And then they blow out the Jets. Maybe. Um, I I just think the Jets, right now, I think the Jets are an inferior team to the Patriots. I actually think the Patriots are a better team, more talented team than what the Jets are at this very moment. Uh, Yeah, Belichick is going to be an increasingly... uh, growing storyline here through the offseason. I think Harbaugh storyline after the national championship gets on. I mean, there are people out there putting their name on it. Paul Feinbaum out there putting his name on it saying, yeah, he's gone. As soon as the college football championship is over, he's, he's out. He's heading to the NFL. Okay, let's go. What, what does it all look like come next week? Come next week at this time, we might even have some answers or at least some clues as to what direction some of these uh, potential head coaches, new head coaches in different spots are going to look like in 2024. My non-sports take today, I'm trying to set a tone here in the new year, Gino. I've never been one to express road rage. I got a temper, but usually road rage, I just kind of think is is silly and not a, a big middle finger guy. I know you and Derek have your middle finger game that you enjoy immensely. It's not, there's no malice behind this. Like when you, that's a hostile move. If you're like when you're, doing that. Yeah, when reality. you're driving and the middle finger gets flashed, that is a hostile move. And, and you know, at most I might toot the horn. If someone swerves or tries to swerve into my lane and they don't see me, I'm in a blind spot. Here's the move for 2024. Here's how you set a tone in 2024. If you're trying to lower your blood pressure while you're driving, no more tailgating, no more flipping off the uh, flipping the bird, no more wailing on the horn. When you drive by the bad driver, just give him a thumbs down, one of these as you're driving by. It's just enough. It's just enough to let them know what you think about their abilities without escalating it to violence. It's the equivalent of that first time your parents told you, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Thumbs down. Commodus from Gladiator style. You know what I'm talking about? Thumbs down when passing a bad driver. That, that's how you set a tone. Yeah, I wouldn't even do that in this day and age, Danger. Like, have you ever been the recipient of a middle finger alone from another driver? Sure. Yeah, like, that's a little under, like, what, what are you doing to me? What? Me? Why? Yeah, even the, the the toot of the horn is a little uh, unnerving if you don't really realize what you've done or what you, you know, you don't know what's going on in the head of the person that's honking at you yeah. or flipping you the bird. And, and look, I'm guilty of it. So there are times where if I'm, if I'm at fault, if it's my bad, I wish I could tell the person that's upset, hey, that's on me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But if you gave me a thumbs down, I'd be like, mm, you're right. That That is on me. Now, I, uh, I need to I need to correct myself. I'll make it the thumbs down exception. Um, and we're out of construction season. But when you have the two lanes merging to one and the one idiot that wants to cut the line and the, like, okay, your time is more valuable than yeah. mine, dude, thumbs down. The yeah. one that drives me nuts is when you have your merging onto, we have this. Okay, I'm going to get super hyper-local here. This is uh, by St. John Fisher, 31F, uh, getting onto 490. You have it there, and you also have it in, closer to my neck of the woods in North Greece, Ladder Road, heading onto 390 South. It's it's a single lane that merges with another lane that merges into two lanes that eventually merges into, into one lane, one lane. the yeah, off-ramp yeah. onto the, uh, the on-ramp onto the expressway. There is no yield. You don't have to yield in that situation yet. I always seem to find myself behind the do-gooder who just can't can't proceed. They have to stop. They have to yield. It's like, there are two lanes. 
you can keep driving. The two lanes merge into one, and we all go about our way. Please do not yield when there is no reason to yield. Drives me insane. And those are the two areas that I seem to always run into these situations. That that on-ramp from 31F to 490 West and 390 South off of Ladder Road. Uh, when you're taking Ladder Road to 390 South. Drives me insane. That's where I that if I have road rage, it's that it's that situation. It's that it's that's where I'm like, come on, what are we doing here, guys? Thumbs down, <laughs> thumbs down. Thumbs I'm not going to yell anymore. I'm just going to give the Commodus Gladiator thumbs down as I'm driving by them. That's all. Drink to that in the sports bar with Danger and Bataglia. We go to Miami next on the fan. We check in with Brandon Tobin. He's the host of Tobin and Leroy on WQAM, our Odyssey Sports sister station. Got the latest news out of Miami. Did we get an injury report yet out of the Dolphins? I'm wondering um, if, if we it's have. It's got to be out, I would yeah, think. I'm wondering if we have any updates on some of these injured offensive weapons for Miami. Uh, we know that Tyreek Hill was back at practice today. Uh, Want to know what, what's up with uh, Waddle. Want to know what's up with Raheem Mostert and just how, how badly are the Dolphins licking their wounds after getting 50 dropped on them by the Ravens uh, just last week. Okay, I got it right here. So, no surprise, Bradley Chubb is out. Xavier Howard officially out. Okay. And three players are questionable. Jerome Baker, Raheem Mostert, and Jalen Waddle. Now, Mostert and Waddle were were limited today, which, okay. They're going to give it a go. (laughs) Absolutely, they're going to give it a go. So, Howard is the big concern for Miami being out there, I would think. Eli Apple... Last time I saw Eli Apple Danger, he was in the victorious Bengals locker room lighting up a cigar and blowing it all over the place like he had something to do with that win. Yeah. Eli Apple, largely disappointing player in the NFL, right? Just kind of a guy that's gone from place to place. He was top 10 picked by the Giants, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of flamed out in New York, New Orleans for a little bit, I want to say. Cincinnati last year. Look, you know. You're right. Did he have a lot to do with it? They got the win. They got the best of the Bills. And I know nothing would make Eli Apple more happy than getting the best of the Bills again. Um, I, I'm curious about from Brandon about what exactly the strategy will be for that secondary. Will you have Ramsey shadowing Diggs, or will you kind of keep to the Fangio strategy of keeping uh, Apple on one side and Ramsey on the other? I think there's some matchups to be exploited here, and we'll talk a little bit more about the overall health of the Miami Dolphins coming into this game. You have that Chubb injury. You have injuries on the offensive line. And, of course, everybody's a little bit banged up here as they're giving it a go here with a limited participation uh, practice report there for from Miami. And, and we'll see what's up with Wall. We'll see what's up with, with Mostert here uh, as we get closer to kickoff Sunday night. Uh, for those who care, uh, the United States won the World Junior 6-2 over Sweden. Is that the, That's not the championship. Yeah. That, that was, was a, the championship? Yeah. Team USA won the World Juniors? Yeah. Oh, who cares? Come on. No? No. Yeah, you know how much time I spent watching the World Juniors? Zero. Zero. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. You know, hockey people love the I World get Juniors. It. Like I was up in Canada the one time when it was on like everybody fixated yes. on it. Like it yes. was the NFL playoffs. And I up know there. if you're in Buffalo, there's a lot of people in Buffalo that live by it and it was in Buffalo. Well, and, if it, but they didn't come out and support it in Buffalo yeah. too. Point that out. Yeah. So it's it, not coming back. It is for the hardcorest of hardcore hockey nerds or Canadians. Oh, who cares? 
But congratulations, Team USA! <laughs> did I did I take one of your uh, you know your Francesas for Monday there? Maybe, possibly, but that's all right. Well, we can regroup. Well, don't worry. There's never a shortage of list of Francesas for me to share after a long weekend. We'll be back with those. Golf on Monday in Hawaii afternoon. better not be a Francesa. Golf in Hawaii. Oh, who cares? No. Yes, sir. No. Yes, no, no, sir. No. And and more than golf in Hawaii, the thing that's crossed my feet today: what the golfers are wearing while they're golfing in Hawaii. Oh, who cares? Some outlandish and loud new golf outfits really do not care oh, oh who, who cares? cares that's a francesa brandon tobin next in the sports bar we talk more bills dolphins on the fan you're listening to the sports bar with danger and bataglia on 95 7 oh, yeah. fm and am 950 the fan rochester Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Fan Rochester Sports Update. Bill Center Mitch Morris questionable for Sunday's game in South Florida. The center under the weather. Sean McDermott says... Well, his team has prepared for this moment. We've been in this situation for weeks, and um, our players, our team, uh, are very resilient. Um, and, you know, we're led by our leaders, and, and those guys have done a phenomenal job leading this team. And um, we've been through a lot. And so you learn from those experiences. You lean on those experiences moving forward. Coverage begins at 4 o'clock coming up Sunday here on the Sports Leader. We'll go to Miami. WQAM's Brandon Tobin joining us next year in the Sports Bar. Hockey night tonight in the Flower City. The Amherst hosting Cleveland. Cleveland. Don Stevens, Andrew Mossbrooks will have the call beginning at 7. RIT is home tonight as well. The Tigers hosting Clarkson. Baseball trade Robbie Ray goes from Seattle to the San Francisco Giants. Gene Battaglia, the fan Rochester. The beer is cold and the wings are hot. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan. Rochester. You know, he, he was sore a little bit early part of the week from it. Um, he's so physically tough, mentally tough. It, it, you know, he just takes it one one day at a time and gets the treatment he needs. And then 
Um, come Sunday, he's ready to go. Overall, yes, the finger and the neck, yeah. It's Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott with an update on Josh Allen's ailments. We go to Miami now. Side of the AFC title game, the AFC East title game, I should say. Fifth, uh, 560 Sports, WQAM, our Odyssey Sports sister station in Miami. We welcome in Brandon Tobin. And Brandon, if, if the Bills are going to get the win in South Beach, I have a feeling it's going to be because they're playing a physical brand of football that we haven't seen really from them since they beat Dallas at home is that the is that the one is that the biggest weakness that you see in the Miami Dolphins this season that if a team wants to come in and, and play a physical brand of football that that they can get the win that way what are your thoughts uh, in some ways I see what you're saying I mean they've had a lot of um, switches and especially in the middle of their line with injury you know they lost Connor Williams their center uh, a couple of weeks ago there's been a lot of shifting their backup Liam Eikenberg is playing so that part of the line has been shown to be pretty vulnerable to get up the middle and get pressure on Tua. Um, you know, just by nature, they're a team that's good at running the football, but they do like to, you know, bust things outside with A-Chan and with Raheem Mostert. So I guess in trench warfare, uh, there are some elements that physicality that, you know, can give them some issues. I would say on the other side of that, though, you know, the, their defensive line, Wilkins and Sealer, uh, I mean, you know, two of the more physical guys in the league, and um, can cause a lot of problems from a physicality standpoint for their offensive line. Brendan Tobin, our guest here in the sports bar. Um, if there's one team that Josh Allen likes playing against, it would be the Dolphins here. He's only lost twice, one being uh, you know, this first year, the Charles Clay drop in the end zone at the end of the game, and the other. Week three last year is the game where nobody has really forgotten up here uh, just how hot it was and how decimated Buffalo was. Why is it, Brendan, that you think Josh Allen has had this success against Miami? I mean, I know you guys are still talking about it. You guys moved on to the, to, to the playoffs last year. Guys, it's been hot in Miami for a long time. Nick. It wasn't abnormally hot in September. He's Look, he's been, uh, you know, like you mentioned about the physicality, he's been super hard for this Dolphins team to bring down. Um, he's a dual threat. I think that, you know, there really just hasn't been a, a clean answer. This is multiple defensive coordinators with, you know, with uh, with the years that he's been in the league and had success against them. I think the thing that was probably disappointing to Dolph fans early on in the year with the loss this season was last year the games were very, very close. You know, it was close down here in Miami. It was close in the playoff game. Hell, it was even kind of up for grabs in the playoff game with Skylar Thompson there. And I think what gave the Dolphin fans a little bit of anxiety was just how much Josh Allen uh, throttled them early on in the season. And we saw last week with the, you know, a dual threat quarterback with Lamar Jackson, the Dolphins kind of went the route of, okay, can he beat us with his arm? And that really bit him in the butt. So I think that it's the big interesting thing everybody's looking for here is what is going to be Vic Fangio's plan? Cause he also has had a lot of success against Josh Allen. So is he going to get aggressive? Well, the Dolphins just lost Bradley Chubb, one of their best pass rushers. They've already lost Jalen Phillips. Um, and they're going to try and, you know, hope that Josh Allen has one of those self-destructing moments that they can take advantage of, or, you know, are they going to try and, you know, make him a bit more of a runner and see if that physicality, you know, outweighs them in this game. So it's, it's a really fascinating chess match, but he's, uh, he's just had the answer no matter what, you know, you got to get credit to him there. 
Brandon, let's talk a little bit about Vic Fangio and that defense for Miami. We we hear a bunch of different things that, that Fangio normally likes to have a corner on one side and the other side not shadow a team's top weapon. However, with no Xavier and Howard, I believe that the injury report came out and he's officially been ruled out for, for Sunday. You can correct me on yeah. that if I'm wrong. Um, will we see Jalen Ramsey on Steph Diggs or will we see Jalen Ramsey staying on his side of the field, allowing Diggs to roam to either side? Yeah, that's kind of been the big mystery so far. I think the one thing with Vic is he doesn't like having something kind of obvious out there. He will try and mix things up. So maybe we'll see it a little bit on certain possessions and maybe not on others. But uh, Jalen talked about this. I was just listening to his press conference uh, before I got on the air with you guys. And he certainly made it known to Vic that he's willing to do that and, uh, you know, and, and be more impactful because he doesn't like to be bored all game and, and know that teams aren't going against him. You know, there was, talked last week with the Ravens, knowing that Xavier was dealing with that injury. And as soon as he got out, he got Eli Apple, you got Cater Kohu, um, you know, two guys that are very, very more vulnerable than, uh, than Jalen is. So it's definitely been a topic of conversation this week. It's not the first time that it's been mentioned and he hasn't necessarily gone in that direction. Sometimes it's worked out for Miami. Um, but we've seen in the, in the last couple of weeks with CD lamb, he's gone on Cater Kohu pretty bad. The bad miscommunication with Zay flowers last week against Eli Apple. So, the big play has been there for the receivers. It's just a matter of like, all right, do you allow that one big home run and then you, you know, have it work out for you the rest of the game? Or are they going to try something different? Because it has, it has burned in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I thought the Dolphins like had taken this huge step, Brendan. Like on Christmas Eve, there they were knocking off uh, the, the Cowboys. And here you had the division within your hands. Yes, it would be tough. How do you explain what happened against Baltimore? Yes, Baltimore is really good, but to give up 50 points, how do you explain it? Yeah, well, it's, it was a couple of things. Like, I think one of the things that's been a, a bit of a problem for Miami, you know, they're in this first year with a lot of expectations. The people have made a big deal about, well, they can't beat good teams. And yeah, but if they haven't gotten the doors blown off them by a lot of them, there, there's just been these inopportune mistakes and they've, and they allowed them to snowball. So like when I watch these games, I would say, honestly, Buffalo is probably the most outblown you know, outclassed they've looked all year early in the season. Um, but with Kansas city, with Philly, when Philly before Philly self-destructed and, and with Baltimore, like there were these moments where you're like, all right, the Miami dolphins made a catastrophic mistake there. They can't let that snowball and, and bite them in the butt. And it always does. And so that's the interesting thing is, can they avoid those catastrophic mistakes? And if they do happen, can they truly turn the page on it? Um, you know, with Baltimore, you know, you're going to know you're going to, you're going to be in a, in a high scoring affair. You just saw what they had done to San Francisco. Tyreek Hill can't drop a touchdown in the end zone. You settle for field goals. You can't have turnovers before the half. Like these are things that are, are not, are not, you know, escapable. You can't have that happen if you're going to be an, an actual elite team. So, I think everybody believes in the talent. It's just a matter of are they ready for this level of competition in these bright lights? And obviously Sunday night's going to be a big test in that. And Brandon, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. I mean, this week has been a crazy one for, for Hill and his family. My question to you is more about the focus of this team, all the injuries that are happening, guys that are being asked to step up. You've got cameras in your faces with the in-season hard knocks going on, and then your wide receiver one has a fire at his house that's being broadcast to all of Miami. Where's the focus of the Miami Dolphins heading into Sunday night? They've done a pretty good job of always putting the bad stuff behind them. And uh, they haven't had a two-game losing streak all season. They've been very, very good at home all season, especially after that you know, awful meltdown on Monday Night Football against the Titans. 
they were able to put that behind them and go get a shutout. Um, so they've done a pretty good job of, of blocking out the noise. They've seemed to kind of embrace hard knocks. Their coach is a bit of a ham. He likes the cameras. Um, so I don't think that bothers them. The Tyree Kill thing is a good question because, you know, that's not only a scary thing because you lose your home, but, I mean, it, you know, the investigative reports initially were that it was, you know, a kid in the house who was the starter of the fire. So that's got to be, as a dad, just something that really, really rattles you a little bit. But, you know, he is uh, Tyree Kill. I mean, his speed doesn't go anywhere. Um, he has been more banged up. I mean, ever since that, Sunday, that Monday Night Football injury, we haven't seen quite the amazing Tyreek Hill that we had seen in the, in the basically first three quarters of the season it looked like maybe he was going to chase down Calvin Johnson. Um, but this is what these guys, you know, this is what Tyreek loves. He loves these kind of opportunities on a big stage. It does sound after hearing Jalen Waddle today that he's going to try and give it a go. And that obviously makes things a lot, uh, a lot better for Tyreek Hill because you got to respect the speed of Waddle as well. Brendan, I am old enough to remember Kelly and Marino and certainly Don Shula, Marv Levy. I was there when Brian Cox gave the double bird. I mean, that was the rivalry way back when Dolphins and Bills. And maybe we're getting to this. And I guess my question is, is any care that the stadium could be half Bill's fans coming up there? Or do you just say, hey, it's great. It's good for our economy. Spend a lot of money while you're here. That's just not it. Yeah. I mean, like if you guys are, you know, just to kind of give the taste of South Florida, like we're a transitional state as far as like everybody's moving down here. That's not a new thing. You know, there were a ton of Cowboys fans there. When the, when the Patriots were up, there were a ton of Boston fans here. That's basically where you go because a lot of people are from the Northeast who moved down here because it's beautiful. I don't know about you guys. I'm in 77 degree weather right now. It's beautiful and clear skies. I don't even know what snow is. Nice. But um, this guy, this no, guy. I, <laughs> I just, I just letting you know. Like I, this is why I mean, we're a great place to vacation. I think. And if you're a Dolphin fan and you can make you know four times your money on a ticket, hey, some people it's tough for them to say no on that. However, um, I don't think people are worried about it. Like the Dolphins have been very, very good at home. This is not like a new thing of a lot of home fans that happen with the Cowboys, too. I will say they're a little bit more wine and cheese. You guys are jumping through flaming tables, so you're a little bit more hardcore. <laughs> but, um, no, I don't think it's a thing that the Dolphin fan or South Florida fan is concerned about. That's really nothing new here. That, that happens in a lot of big sporting events down here just because we have so many people from other places that are down here. Um, I think this stuff about there's going to be over 50%, I think that's wildly overblown, but I think it's noticeable when you go to a place and you're like, oh, wow. There's a, uh, there, there's a lot of road fans there. I do think that the interesting thing about that is I do think Dolphin fans travel pretty well to, you know, places in New York and all that. And so it's just a place of, hey, this is a vacation destination. A lot of people will spend big money to come down here and watch their team in a huge game. Tough people to say no to that because it's not like the Dolphins season tickets don't sell out. They have a waiting list for them. There's a lot of people who do care about this team, but, you know, other fans want to visit here. And there's, uh, there's money to be had. Just to give Brendan some perspective, I, I want to revisit something I said earlier today about our climate versus the climate down there. I was saying earlier, Brendan, that the last actual sunny day that I can remember. Beginning to end. Beginning to end where you had just wall-to-wall blue skies and sunshine in western New York. It was that week four game against the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. That's how long it's been. No, yeah. we don't have any snow, but you have the benefit of of blue skies and sunshine pretty much every day down there. So yeah, you're not wrong when you say that there's a lot of people in Western New York that are going to make the trek down to Miami, if only for that. I it's, look, there there are some brutal months as 
you guys will say when it gets to like over 80, the Bills fans, they've never had heinous conditions like that. But <laughs> when it gets to those, when it gets to those really hot months in August, when we're dealing like soupy 96, there's a tropical storm in the middle of the day. We go through all of that to get to here where it's January and it's gorgeous. And we got this for the next, you know, five months until we're all basically melting again in the, uh, in the, uh, in the summertime. And we're worried about the ocean swallowing us up. So we got our downsides too. But it ain't in January. <laughs> Brent, I'm going to ask you a question, and a lot of Bills fans are going to cringe at this, but I'm curious if we're on the same page here. Let me lay this out. Because we've been kind of speculating, all right, if the Bills win this game, they're the two. Who would you want? Who wouldn't you want as a seven seed? Miami wins this game. Who would you want the Dolphins to face? And which team would you really kind of be a little skittish about? Um, I don't know if it would end up on any shot of them ending with the Browns. I do think the Browns scare me a little bit with uh, their ability to run and how much they've adjusted. They've dealt with a lot of the injury stuff, but I think that'd probably be like, I don't think that that works out. But Jacksonville, I'm not really scared of Jacksonville. Um, I think that they've had, you know, they have, first of all, pretty wonky division. It's a whole lot of mediocre. They have a quarterback who's prone to turning over the uh, football. He's also pretty banged up, so... Jacksonville will be a team that I would be uh, okay with them facing. If they have end up having a rematch with Buffalo, I mean, that's always tough. You know, my co-host Leroy Horde always remembers, he's like, I have the distinct honor of being a guy, a, a guy that lost to a team three years in a row when he's on the Browns, and his Browns ended up playing uh, the Steelers in the wild card round. They lost to the Steelers all three times. Like, you know, that, that, that certainly I think is uh, – and, and look, the, the, those track record is success. So I think that the Dolphins would love to uh, – have nothing more than get this win and then hopefully, you know, have the cards fall where Buffalo is, is, uh, is knocked out if that's the possibility. Um, but we'll see. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah. And, and Brendan, when you and Leroy are talking about this game and the matchup, what, what scares you uh, going into this game about the Bills? Is there a matchup specific, specifically that, that you feel like the, the Bills could exploit to their benefit that, that makes you nervous as a guy that's, that's close to the Dolphins? Well, I'm very I'm concerned with the linebacker spot for the Dolphins right now. And honestly, I thought the guy that you know, other than Lamar last week, that made the biggest difference was uh, was Justice Hill. And so, you're you're uh, running back. I mean, James Cook has been just such a monster this year. And you know, there's so much talk about his brother possibly coming down here. So everybody knows that uh, that family well down here in South Florida. And uh, Jerome Baker's coming off of a pretty gnarly knee injury. He's going to seemingly give it a go. So the Dolphins get their leader back on uh, a leader back in the middle of the defense again, but how good is he? How fully go is he? Can he cover guys? Is he going to be a little bit gimpy and things like that? So, you know, that, that ability to, you know, kind of expose the Dolphins linebacking court is going to be interesting to me because it's been starting to hurt them a lot more in these games after having pretty valiant efforts. But as, the pass rushers have dropped by the wayside as you lose some of your secondary guys, you know, then the other holes kind of get exposed and you can only have so many backups on your defense that can uh, kind of hold the fort down. So I'm very interested to see what uh, Jerome Baker looks like in this game and, uh, and how healthy he looks uh, after missing a bunch of time. Brandon, I know we talked about this uh, back before the week four game, but it's it's remarkable to me the story of Tua where, okay, maybe they're moving on from Watson. Maybe there's something with Tom Brady, and now here he is, the guy, and now it's contract time. So whatever happens here in the next month after the season ends, how does this all play out with Tua on the contract? I, I honestly think they're going to end up giving him a contract because if you're Tua, like 
the biggest questions into this year before we talked about, you know, divisions and goals and all that, just personal goals for him was, will he play every game? Well, he did. And he now finds himself as the leading passer in the league. He's done a pretty darn good job and has kind of kept up his end of the bargain. He obviously has a tremendous relationship with the head coach. Neither of them, I think, are going anywhere. And I think you're talking about a very young player who they, you know, made the playoffs last year with him hurt. This year, they got to 11 wins. Maybe they'll be at 12 and winning a division. Maybe they won't. I think that will this game determine whether or not? I mean, two would probably have to have a really catastrophic performance. Like, even with the Ravens game, I thought Tua was not like the first, second, or third problem of that game. Like he he had some he had his receivers let him down in some big spots. Um, you know the, the the one thing that really was a, I think a, a bummer was getting the fumble from Zach Sealer and then him turning it over and that spot that was less than opportune. But um, I, I think that he's going to end up getting paid. I think that he's very popular with the fans down here. Um, you know you're talking about stuff that really hasn't been done since Marino was quarterback. I know people always seem to have very polarizing opinions about him. The guy really works his butt off um, and, and, has, and has put in a ton of work to, to get himself improved. And no, now it's just a question of, I, I do think that people are waiting for those signature moments. He had one against being able to lead uh, them uh, against Dallas. Last week didn't look so great, but this year, uh, this week, it is at home too. I think it's a 21 and five in his career mm. at hard rock. I mean, he's been very, very good in his career at home. So, that's you know going to be something that we we look out for, but you know how fans are, man. Listen, if the the Bills blow the doors off, everybody's going to go back to he's a bum, Tannehill two lefty Kirk Cousins. You know they don't want to hear it, so it's it's almost like he's got this first chapter of a legacy game uh, uh, this week for the division, and it will kind of uh, color how everybody paints their opinion of him. But I really think he's had a tremendous year and and has just spoken to not only his hard work, but how he's been able to handle all that adversity. He's been, he's been, he's had a really, really solid season. Brendan, if we widen at the AFC, you mentioned the Browns earlier as a team that nobody's going to want to play, but I, you know, with the hindsight that you have here and the recency of, of Baltimore being there, is there a weakness, a flaw in their game that you were able to see during that, that, that loss uh, to Baltimore last week? Um, you know, I, I thought that, I, I really think the opportunities were there for Miami from a defensive standpoint. They've been a good defensive team, but I didn't find it to be overwhelming. I thought the Dolphins shot themselves in the foot in, in a lot of spots on offense. Um, you know, the, the, the off, their, their offense looked, I mean, completely overwhelming. I mean, Lamar's uh, uh, an absolute monster. You know, they, they weren't even, they, they were even missing guys. Zay Flowers is the truth. That guy's really good. Odell kind of sprinkles it in whenever you need him to. Um, Rashad Bateman's been, you know, toasting Xavier Howard for the last two years now. So that's nothing new for Dolphin fans to, to see. But even like, you know, Isaiah likely for them last week has a great performance. You would have thought them losing Mark Andrews would have been a huge deal, but wouldn't even know who Mark Andrews was after that performance from them. So I think Lamar's got them humming on offense. I think that you do have to be able to put up a lot of points to, to, uh, to play with them. And the, that was the problem with the Dolphins. You know, it really was as soon as, Tyreek drops that touchdown to put them up, uh, you know, 14, seven, and you have to set up a three immediately. It's like, you're already losing the race. Like you gotta, you gotta keep pace with them. And I think it's, it's similar to this matchup with Buffalo. Like remember for the week four, like it was bang, bang, bang. Everybody's getting touchdowns. And then the first team to blink was the dolphins and the bills were off and running and they didn't look back. So I think this is going to be very similar to that. The dolphins have to get out to a quick start. 
Um, and they cannot have those moments where, you know, Jason Sander, they're settling to, to bring out the field goal unit early on. Uh, Brandon, last one for me, and it, it's switching gears here, and this came across my feed today. Like, the Lakers are circling, and I, I kind of love it, actually, kind of secretly, but the idea of LeBron James, and, and Bill Simmons threw this out here. Uh, LeBron to Miami? With, like we, we, He's throwing this out as a theory. Is that catching anything down there in Miami? This this possible, uh, you know, just I don't even know if it's a possible trade, but that idea that LeBron James may be shopped elsewhere. We talked about it a little bit today because, um, you know, it, you know, LeBron, it, it's such an interesting history between the two, the, the franchise and the player, because there was a lot of hard feelings when he first left. LeBron's become more nostalgic and appreciative of the Heat as the years go by. But it is always odd that, like, whenever he plays the Heat and loses to the Heat, there, there's always either, it's either two things. He either has a glowing press conference that reminisces about the great times of the Heat, or he'll blow off the media. It's so, like, it really does matter to him when he faces this team. I think that he strives and misses, like, the organization. People always say, oh, LeBron wants to be the GM and all that. And I do believe that's true, but I do think there's a weight of the shoulders of not having, uh, weight off his shoulders of having the organization of, of what the Heat do, which is just basically handle everything. You go play basketball. Um, I can't see it. I don't think LeBron will ask out of L.A. My big reasoning for it today was, um, you know, his son's playing at USC. And as much as I think Jim Laranega would love to recruit Bronny to, to the Canes and, you know, join up with his, uh, his team that he's building down here, I don't think that's something that realistically LeBron would do this year. Could that be something they go and circle the wagons to in the offseason? I wouldn't rule it out. I think if LeBron is going to go and move on from the Lakers, are you going to go back to Cleveland are you, or are you going to go back to Miami? Like, I don't think LeBron wants to be the guy who's playing for another franchise in his career, especially with everything winding down. So if you were to go to somewhere else, I get why the Miami thing would make sense, but I don't see it to be very likely. Um, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's fun fodder, but LeBron just always seems to kind of kick up some drama when he loses to the Heat. Brendan, before we let you go, did you make a prediction on Sunday's outcome? Do, do we, can we trouble you for your, your take on, on the outcome of Sunday night's game? I will go 33-30 Dolphins, Jason Sanders for the win late. That would be a very Bills loss, by the way. Very, they, they, very yeah, Bills. They, they, uh, yeah, that would be uh, that would be bad for us here in Western New York. Uh, Brandon, what time is your show on? If people want more Miami uh, Dolphin talk here, tell everybody about it uh, inside the Odyssey app. If you guys want to troll me or your listeners want to troll me, ten a.m. to two p.m. on Monday. But also congratulate me if you you know if you're going to call up on Monday and the, the Dolphins win. I would <laughs> like some well wishes as well. Uh, also uh, coming up on Sunday, we do our pregame show uh, from uh, it'll be at four p.m starting then so if anybody wants the dolphin side of things you guys can get that on the odyssey app or you can watch it on youtube uh, miami 560 wqam and check it out there appreciate the time as always bud have a have a great weekend enjoy the weather and we'll do it again soon all right take care guys thanks brendan Brendan tobin he's the host of tobin leroy on uh, uh, WQAM, 560 Sports, uh, our Odyssey Sports sister station there in Miami. When the Raiders moved from Oakland to Las Vegas, there was only one team that voted that down. And people were like, why? What is is this? What is Stephen Ross? The Dolphins voted that down. Because now the number one destination town is Vegas, obviously. And to to bring that up, like, we, we think, like, hey, we're taking over. And then, like... Yeah, that's that's the economy down there, folks. Yeah, come on down. You know, put a, put your face paint on and make sure you go out to dinner and you know have some friends and tell everybody what a great time. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Uh, love that conversation. He's he's got it kind of like I have it. I, I I have the Bills winning by three, a field goal difference there, and, and the Vegas spread is right around that two and a half three point mark right now. So, oh, what if danger in a year where you had the Jets opening game and you had. 12 men on the field. You have all these terrible, terrible losses. The Philadelphia game that Sunday will be the coup de grace. Like this would be like, then are we revisiting everything? If they lose to a division rival and you lose a close one because of things you didn't do, it'll sting. It'll feel terrible and nothing will change and nothing will change. Right. We're going to have to live with that as fans. We're going to have to live with that through the course of the off season until we get to the draft and then the season of optimism begins again, but then we'll have to also mentally prepare for the the constant droning of a head coach who will say the same thing and not say anything at all over and over and over again. It'll be, and and by the way, the fall guy's already been identified, right? We we know that the special team, regardless of the outcome, special teams coordinator is going to be gone. Smiley's out, right? That, that that's been predetermined. So we already know that that's happening. <clears throat> All right, let's get to happy hour next in the sports bar. Uh, we have time for your calls. If you want to join us at 866-4-FAN, 866-4326. That's the Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub wingman line. Injury reports for both the Bills and the Dolphins. We'll review those as Tyreek Hill returned to Dolphins practice today. And we'll recap some of what we learned today from Brandon Tobin, who we just heard there, Tobin and Leroy at WQAM in Miami. And Ryan Talbot from NewYorkUpstate.com who stopped by in the 3 o'clock hour as well. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. On 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.